All right, everybody, we have made it to another Friday. It is Friday, January 20th, 2023. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Mosh, some big news for you. Tomorrow, Saturday in New York City, the sun will be setting after 5 p.m. for the first time this year. There is literally light at the end of the tunnel, or I guess the end of the horizon <laughs> here, Jill. Uh, though it's been a pretty temperate uh, winter so far, uh, apparently because of how warm things have been, it, sort of some plants are confused. There's a question as to whether the cherry blossoms in D.C. will be blossoming early this year. But it is great to hear about the sunset, you know, how depressing it is to, you know, be dark so early. And Mosh, a whole lot of news today, so let's get to it. Prosecutors say that they're going to charge Alec Baldwin with involuntary manslaughter for the deadly shooting on a movie set, the reasoning for the charges, and Baldwin's reaction to them. The U.S. has officially hit its debt limit again. So what happens now? More alleged lies from George Santos, if that's really his name. The government wants to make sure those expensive organic products are really organic. Musician David Crosby has died. We're going to take a look back at the career of a legend. Mosh, of course, is on this day. Jill, an important day in WBTV history. Uh, I got some Dawson's Creek and on this day for you. And it is Friday, so we'll be talking about what we are watching, reading, and eating this weekend. All right, let's start with some pretty surprising news that came out Thursday morning. Prosecutors say that they're going to be charging Alec Baldwin with two counts of involuntary manslaughter in the deadly shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of the Western movie Rust in New Mexico. The DA says the film's armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, will face the same charges. She was in charge of the weapons on the set. The first assistant director, David Halls, has agreed to plead guilty to the negligent use of a deadly weapon. The DA says, quote, on my watch, no one is above the law and everyone deserves justice. Baldwin's attorney said the decision distorts Helena Hutchins' tragic death and represents a terrible miscarriage of justice. Mr. Baldwin had no reason to believe that there was a live bullet in the gun or anywhere on the movie set. He relied on the professionals with whom he worked who assured him the gun did not have live rounds. We will fight these charges and we will win. An attorney for the armorer, Gutierrez-Reed, also vowed to fight the charges. If found guilty of both of these charges... They could both spend up to five years behind bars. Baldwin, by the way, is being charged as both an actor and one of the producers on the film, which legally could be important here. Jill, let's rewind a bit, because I think one of the reasons that this caught people by surprise is this sort of feels like old news to people. So this incident, the shooting happened 15 months ago in the fall of 2021 over there on the movie set in New Mexico. Baldwin was rehearsing with an old fashioned revolver for a scene inside a church when he says the gun went off without him pulling the trigger. Uh, the shot killed Hutchins and also wounded a director, Joel Souza. Authorities there have now spent more than a year investigating, which is what led them to announce these charges today. Here's the legal argument. The DA says she determined there was clearly a pattern of criminal disregard for safety on the set. The DA saying, quote, if any of these three people, Alec Baldwin, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, or David Halls had done their job, Helena Hutchins would be alive today. It's that simple. She said Baldwin had a duty to ensure the gun and the ammunition were properly checked and that he should never have pointed it at anyone, saying, quote, you should not point a gun at someone that you're not willing to shoot that goes against basic safety standards. The DA also adding, just because it's an accident doesn't mean it's not criminal. 
A bit about Helena Hutchins. She was 42 years old, survived by her husband and her nine-year-old son. Her family said it supports the prosecutor's decision here to seek those criminal charges, saying that there was a conscious disregard for human life. They say their own independent investigation also supports that the charges are warranted. In early October, though, Hutchins' husband reached a separate settlement in his wrongful death lawsuit against the producers of Rust, which includes Baldwin. It's interesting here, Jill, because Baldwin has tried to clear his name by suing people involved in handling and supplying the loaded gun that was handed to him on the set. He also says that a co-producer told him everything was safe and that it wasn't his responsibility uh, to ensure its safety. He didn't pull the trigger. He says he only pulled the hammer back, let it go, and then suddenly the gun still went off. However, the FBI, in an August report last year, said that the pistol which is a replica of a vintage Colt 45 gun, function normally when tested in the laboratory. So what does that mean? That means that the FBA found that in order for the revolver to fire, the trigger would have had to have been pulled. So there's a divide here between Baldwin saying he didn't pull the trigger and the FBI saying the only way this gun could have gone off is for someone to pull the trigger. So one attorney tells the LA Times this is really problematic for Baldwin because he's insisted he hasn't pulled the trigger and there's a major inconsistency here. Uh, As far as what's next, the DA told CNN she will formally file the charges before the end of this month, but that her office has not requested an arrest of Baldwin or Gutierrez-Reed. The two will be required to uh, make an initial court appearance, which they may do via video. Again, two charges here, involuntary manslaughter, they have to prove there was underlying negligence. And the other one is called involuntary manslaughter in the commission of a lawful act. This requires uh, something more than simple negligence, that someone didn't exercise due care, uh, and it involves a firearm. So that's where they get to the five years with these two charges. Moshe, I have to say, I was completely caught off guard today when this story broke, uh, just because it seemed like it was pretty clear cut, like it was this tragic, tragic accident. Uh, They had this settlement with the family already. And, you know, it was just one of those heartbreaking, tragic things. And then all of a sudden, now we're talking about criminal charges. It is notable, Jill, what the DA said, that just because it was an accident doesn't mean it wasn't criminal. Uh, And clearly here, there are accusations this DA is looking to uh, increase their profile by going after Alec, because this is clearly a trial everyone will be watching. But there were clearly problems here on this set. The fact that there were live rounds uh, mixed in with dummy rounds on the set and a live round was put in a gun. There are questions here uh, as to how this could have happened and whether movie sets need to revamp how they do things. But this is clearly a story we will be watching the rest of the year and you will be hearing a lot about. And apparently the DA had said that they had interviewed A-list actors, other A-list actors who had said that their protocols for handling guns were entirely different. And they learned how to check to see if there was ammunition in there or live ammunition. So it is going to be a fascinating trial. Right. What was Alec Baldwin's responsibility? Why was there live ammunition on a movie set? And this whole debate of I didn't pull the trigger, but it went off and whether that's something a uh, court will buy. Now to politics and a story that we tell you about almost once a year. The U.S. hit its borrowing limit, this time of $31.4 trillion on Thursday. So that means the Treasury Department has started to take what it's calling extraordinary measures to prevent an immediate default on U.S. debt obligations. They will be engaging in accounting maneuvers like suspending investments for certain government accounts to get us a few more months here. The U.S. likely has, according to Janet Yellen, until June until the government runs out of those maneuvers and defaults on its debt 
A quick reminder here, the debt limit is the maximum amount that the federal government is able to borrow to finance obligations that lawmakers and presidents have already approved. So this isn't about approving new spending measures. The Treasury Secretary Yellen asking lawmakers to raise or suspend the cap so that the government can continue to meet its financial obligations. But given the current political climate, this could get very ugly. Republicans now control the House. They have vowed that they will not raise the borrowing limit unless the president agrees to make steep cuts in federal spending. But President Biden has said lawmakers need to lift the cap with no strings attached because that money is needed to cover spending that has already been approved by Congress. So, Moshe, how did we get here and why does this all matter? Jill, how long do you have and when do you want to start? (laughs) Give us the abridged, (laughs) the abridged version, please. Long story short, (laughs) the U.S., Denmark and Poland are among three of the only countries in the world that have set up a debt ceiling for ourselves. So this was created back in World War One by legislators who are like, yo, we're spending too much money. We're going into debt. Let's set a debt ceiling of $11 billion. That was back during World War One. Since then, we have increased it more than 100 times. And for the most part, it wasn't a story. We just did it because it was necessary to keep the economy functioning. And keep in mind that like, we're good for it. We're America, we have a strong economy, we're good on our debt. Keep in mind the government brings in about six or seven trillion every year. So 31 trillion uh, in perspective in US government terms, not that much. But then in the past couple decades, it's been used as a cudgel, particularly by Republicans against Democratic presidents to try to cut down on spending. For the most part, if it's Republican Congress, Republican president, no real debate. Democratic president, Democratic Congress, like last year, uh, December 2021, the last time it was raised, not a debate, but a Republican Congress with a Democratic president, that's when we run into these issues. So it requires Congress to officially raise our own debt ceiling to the next number, to the next number, to the next number. And so we've had some close calls, but ultimately we've done that a lot of times for 100 years. Now, what happens if the U.S. defaults on its debt? Why is this so scary? Well, that means literally it's the U.S. admitting we are no longer able to pay our debts. We can't borrow any more money. So that could delay payments for Social Security, veterans benefits, uh, federal employee salaries, a whole bunch of things. And then there's the domino effect, the stock market, the world saying the U.S. is not good on its debt anymore. About a third of our 31 trillion, by the way, is held by uh, foreign countries, two thirds held by us truly Americans by the Fed, by individual bondholders, et cetera. A default could wreak havoc on the economy. There's been studies on this. Stocks drop, unemployment, et cetera. The closest we got was 2011. That's when there was a Republican Congress and President Obama took it to the edge. It actually led the S&P, the credit rating agency, to lower our uh, top-notch AAA rating down to AA+. They still haven't brought us back from that because they're just like there's instability in the American political system. So ultimately, if we get close by June, will they lower it again, potentially? And there's ramifications for that, right? Because when we take out further money, we would then pay higher interest rates because we have a lower credit rating. So that's part of the issue here. And so it looks like we can make it work for five more months. We're going to have another one of these battles. Right now, Mitch McConnell in the Senate says there's no way we can let our our country default, but it's the Republicans in the House, including a few of those that were kind of uh, in the side of Kevin McCarthy, who are like, no, let's take it to the edge. This really matters to my voters, and we'll see what unfolds here. All right, Joel, we have a lot more to get to, including our speed read with the rest of the day's news. But I'm really happy to announce our newest partnership this week. Harry's is a brand I've been using for years for a great shave. My wife actually found their aftershave a couple of years ago. I immediately used it, loved it, and have been a loyal customer ever since. Then I tried their shaving cream. 
uh, sold on that as well. And so I'm so excited. They are now joining us as a partner with a special deal for Mo News listeners. You can try their shaving gel and razor with their new Truman Shave trial set. It is a $15 value that for a limited time, you can get for just $3 at harrys.com slash monews. It includes a five-blade razor with a very nice weighted hand, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover that covers key. You put it around the blade so you don't cut yourself in your dob kit. keeps the blade clean. You can also schedule replacement blade deliveries whenever you need them with refills for as low as $2. I am genuinely a big fan of Harry's and don't think you'll be disappointed. So a reminder, you can get that $15 Truman Shave trial set for just $3 right now over at harrys.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S. That's harrys.com slash monews for a $3 trial set. Our next sponsor this week is Athletic Greens, whose AG1 all-in-one vitamin powder has been a daily ritual for me in mornings this winter. And Jill, I understand you got some last week. Moj, I did, and I'm really excited about it. As a new parent, I am permanently sleep-deprived, and it feels like someone in my house is always sick. So I really do need all the help that I could get. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It contains over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. In addition, AG1 has pre and probiotics to support gut health. And here's the best news. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Just visit athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription, or you could try it one time for just a month. Again, athleticgreens.com slash monews, that's M-O-N-E-W-S, for this special deal, and really start to take ownership of your health. Now to the speed read from the Washington Post. Supreme Court says that it cannot determine who leaked the draft of the Dobbs opinion, the opinion that overturned Roe v. Wade. A report from the Supreme Court marshal said, quote, it is not possible to determine the identity of any individual who may have disclosed the document or how the draft opinion ended up with Politico. No one confessed to publicly disclosing the document and none of the available forensic and other evidence provided a basis for identifying any individual as the source. While investigators in the courts, IT experts cannot absolutely rule out a hack, it's not looking like that's what happened here. We did learn Thursday that more than 80 people had access to the draft opinion and 97 were interviewed, some more than once. It's so interesting, Jill, like the, some of the biggest mysteries, biggest stories of the past couple of years, we will never know the answer to, right? Like how did COVID actually get started in China? Unclear. The Supreme Court, I guess this is, you know, less impactful, but still really notable, who leaked the draft opinion of the 80 or so uh, people that had access to it? And this report, literally a 20-page report, is like, we'll never know. We tried our best. Sorry, folks. Look, we did find out who Deep Throat is, right? So it, it is possible that one day the source themselves... Right, later. Yes, yeah. it, it is possible that the source could come forward and say, I, it was me, I did it for this reason. But just to remind folks, this all came out in a leak to Politico, the newspaper Politico. So at least there's reporters and maybe editors at Politico who know the identity of this person. One major question mark, the report from the Supreme Court does not indicate whether they actually interviewed the nine justices of the Supreme Court. They interviewed the clerks, people might have accessed the draft, but it is not clear whether they interviewed the justices themselves. Hmm, that's interesting. And Imagine so, it was one of the justices. Well, there are theories. There are theories that could have been one of the liberals. There are theories that it could have been Alito, uh, you know, to get, you know, to get a sense of how the world was reacting to this consequential Roberts. opinion. 
Well, sure. There's there's so many theories. You know, we could spend a whole podcast thinking about like what was the incentive for each of them to potentially do this. Well, either way, it's not clear whether this investigation included them. A couple of the things uh, we learned from this report, Jill, those interviewed were told they could be fired if they refused to answer or did not truthfully respond to the questions. Each employee was asked to sign an affidavit affirming that he or she did not disclose the draft opinion to swear before a notary to the truth of the statement, something you would particularly take seriously if you were at the Supreme Court. A uh, few people did admit to telling their spouses, though, about the draft opinion in violation of the court's confidentiality rules. So this investigation did find out that some people are playing fast and loose with information they're learning at work. Uh, so that's an interesting thing that came out of this report. So clearly, they're going to try to put the fear of God into people moving forward here. Either way, this mystery remains, uh, at least at least for now. I thought that part was interesting, the telling of the spouses, because I yeah. do feel like, I don't know, I feel like I tell my husband everything. Right. But if you if you signed an NDA or confident, I, you know what, I guess that you kind of assume that, you know, like I, I, I do know that there's people who work in intelligence who are always like their spouses have to say my uh, husband or my wife works for the government. Right, and they can't right, say anymore. Right. And that's sort of code in Washington to like, oh, you probably work at the CIA. You're like, I work for the government, but I can't tell you what I do. The report suggests that the court's technology was an obstacle to the effort to identify the leaker because not all of the printers, for instance, kept running up-to-date logs of activity. Investigators collected court-issued laptops and cell phones from all employees who had access to the draft opinion, but they did not find relevant information on those devices. <laughs> it's the story of the, the government, Joe. <laughs> it's the story of the government. Antiquated computer technology, in this case, an obstacle to finding out who the leaker was. From the Hill, USDA tightens organic food label rules as part of an effort to close loopholes and increase confidence in the agency's organic seal, calling this the biggest update to organic regulations since 1990. The new rule requires more businesses in the supply chain to be certified as organic and mandates that all organic products entering the U.S., have an import certificate from the USDA's National Organic Program. This is a big deal, especially as organic sales grow. Uh, sales top $63 billion of organic food in 2021 alone. The standards require that products bearing the organic label are produced without the use of toxic and persistent pesticides, synthetic nitrogen fertilizers, antibiotics, synthetic hormones, genetic engineering, or other excluded practices, sewage sludge, or irradiation. It's a high bar uh, to meet here. And it's interesting, the reaction here, Jill, because for many, they say this is long overdue. For others, they say the government needs to do more to ensure that uh, you know when you buy organic, it actually means organic. This all comes in the wake of several recent indictments for fraud schemes involving organic products. There were actually two farmers in Minnesota last week who were charged with conspiring to defraud buyers of more than $46 million by falsely labeling grain as organic. So uh, this has clearly gone up to the top notches of law enforcement. The Justice Department also recently charged several people from Turkey and Dubai in a multi-million dollar scheme to sell ordinary soybeans from Eastern Europe as organic in the U.S., Organic soybeans cost up to 50% more than their non-organic counterparts. This rule takes effect in March, and companies will have about a year to comply. Okay, from NBC News and Reuters and just a ton of different sources, George Santos says, I am not a drag queen, and I did not let a dog die. <laughs> when you have to put out statements on those stories, it's a, it's a tough week. It's a tough week to be George Santos, yet the latest one. 
Okay, Republican New York Congressman George Santos has admitted to fabricating extensive portions of his background and faces even more serious allegations and investigations over his conduct. The latest twist in the saga, allegations that Santos, under an alias, sponsored a fundraiser for a disabled veteran's sick service dog and then kept the money. It was about $3,000. And then another new allegation that he competed as a drag queen in Brazilian beauty pageants about 15 years ago. This most not a controversy, right? Except that, A, he's denying it, even though there's a photo, not that a photo can't be doctored. And B, he is staunchly conservative about social issues in particular, despite the fact that he is openly gay. He has called abortion, for example, barbaric. He wouldn't say whether or not he would support same-sex marriage being codified. And he's also allied himself with many Republican figures who've come out against transgender people and drag shows. By the way, he also said that his mother was working at her office at the World Trade Center during the September 11th attacks. But official immigration documents that have been reviewed by The New York Times show that she wasn't even in the United States at the time. We are starting, though, to hear from Santos if that is even his name. And I kind of was joking about that a couple of weeks ago. But but some people who knew him a while ago have said that they've never heard him go by George. Well, Jill, there's even video evidence of him introducing himself as Anthony DeVolder. He had this sort of other name that he was going by for a while. So, you know, he didn't go to the colleges that he says he went to. He didn't work at the places he says he uh, worked at. Uh, there are questions as to how he got his money. Now you have the dog charity that he didn't, you know, actually give the money to the people trying to save the life of their dog. Uh, then you have the the photos from the drag show, etc. Then you have the lies about how his mother died and where she was on 9-11. It just goes on and on and on. And so there's this daily saga on Capitol Hill, Jill, of he's followed around by like 20 reporters shouting allegations at him. And he's just like trying to sit there silently or walk there silently, go in the elevator, no comment, no comment, no comment. And that is like literally there's a bunch of reporters who that's what they do every day on Capitol Hill is just toss the new allegations at George Santos. As far as his reaction to the drag story, uh, he says, quote, the most recent obsession from the media claiming that I am a drag queen or performed as a drag queen is categorically false. I will not be distracted or phased by this. As far as the dog accusation is concerned, this is a statement on that one. The reports that I would let a dog die is shocking and insane. My work in animal advocacy was the labor of love and hard work. Over the past 24 hours, I've received pictures of dogs I helped rescue throughout the years, along with supportive messages. He didn't address, though, the fact that two New Jersey veterans who are making this allegation say he promised to raise them funds for life-saving surgery for their dog in 2016, uh, never paid them. They say he became elusive, took off with their money, and they have the receipts, Jill. They uh, have all the text messages that went back and forth of him sort of like jumping off there. And you've got to think that if anybody was really sending him pictures of their dogs that he helped save, that he <laughs> that he would show those pictures, right? Uh, yeah, uh, Jill, I don't know what to do about the George Santos story. This thing just keeps like at this point, people I, I posted about it on Instagram. People are like, are these is this satire? Or, like, these are actually things he did. I was like, no, in the past 24 hours, these are the latest round of accusations against him. It's just it's nonstop. Uh, meanwhile, though, the New York congressman representing my home district, George he is Santos, your congressman. Yes, <laughs> he has been awarded seats on two committees. Granted, they're low level committees. But according to CNN, Speaker Kevin McCarthy and his top allies have tapped Santos to serve on the Committee on Small Business and the Committee on Science, Space and Technology. 
Representative Roger Williams from Texas, who is the chairman of the House Small Business Committee, defends that decision. He said, I don't condone what he said, what he's done. I don't think anybody does. But that is not my role. He was elected. Apparently, Santos had been lobbying to get on two high-profile committees, one overseeing the financial sector and another on foreign policy. Uh, But apparently, that was rejected. Committees are a big deal in Congress, Jill. That is typically how you see your congressperson on TV, right? Questioning people, holding hearings, et cetera, uh, having influence, getting their bills passed. Uh, and so the fact that he got on any committees is a big deal, but they are uh, definitely uh, smaller ones. But this all comes as the Ethics Committee, another committee in Congress, is investigating him right now. So this isn't the last of George Santos, despite the fact that he vows to serve out his term. From Variety, David Crosby, co-founder of The Birds and Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young, died at the age of 81. The singer, songwriter and guitarist, a founding member of two popular and enormously influential 60s rock bands, has passed away. His wife released a statement to Variety saying it is with great sadness after a long illness that our beloved David Crosby has passed away, although he's no longer here with us. His humanity and kind soul will continue to guide and inspire us. His legacy will continue to live on through his legendary music, peace, love, and harmony to all who knew David and those that he touched. About eight months ago, Crosby made headlines when he said he was done performing live, declaring, I am too old to do it anymore. I don't have the stamina. I don't have the strength. But he said he was recording as busily as possible. He said he had been making records at a startling rate. Quote, now I'm 80 years old, so I'm going to die fairly soon. That's how that works. And so I'm trying really hard to crank out as much music as I possibly can, as long as it's really good. Yeah, he was one of those people who didn't love his birthday uh, when they congratulated him on making it to 80. He's like, it's not something to celebrate. It's not great. Uh, He did battle a series of health challenges, including three heart attacks, a liver transplant, and diabetes. The death came as a surprise to those who followed his very active Twitter account. In fact, he was tweeting as recently as Wednesday, Jill, uh, interacting with his fans. Uh, This week alone, he was talking about the arrest of climate activist Greta Thunberg. He was talking about his favorite Beatles song, Eleanor Rigby. So going back here, he was part of the original lineup of The Birds, appeared on their first five albums. Uh, He then co-founded Crosby, Stills, and Nash. They perform uh, for the first time at Woodstock in 1969. They eventually add the Canadian singer Neil Young to become Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Uh, Lots of hits you might remember. Our House, Love the One You're With. Sweet Judy Bloom Eyes, uh, a, a lot of classics uh, to their name. He was actually inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice, and five of the albums that he contributed to are on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. And most from the AP, hip-hop artist Flo Rida was awarded $82 million after a South Florida jury found that the makers of Celsius Energy Drinks breached a contract and tried to hide money from him. Flo Rida, whose real name is Tremar Dillard, and his production company, Strong Arm Productions, had sued Celsius Holdings in Broward County Court in May of 2021, claiming that the company violated the conditions of an endorsement deal in which he was supposed to get stock when certain benchmarks were hit. Lawyers for Celsius had argued that the company reached its greatest success after the Florida endorsement deal ended and that other business decisions led to increased sales and stock value 
Jill, a huge win for Florida. Uh, what was remarkable, though, is that when he took the stand last week, um, what his lawyers did to introduce him, and it made for one of the more entertaining testimonies to watch. I posted the video to my Instagram page as a way of introducing him to the jury. His attorney proceeded to play a bunch of his hit songs. Uh, and you could see the rapper bobbing his head to each one. The defense literally objects at one point as they're playing, you know, they're like, and then I understand you wrote Right Round. Can you tell me about Right Round? <laughs> and then like you had another hit called Club Can't Handle Me. He's like, yeah, Club Can't Handle Me. Another great hit. And then they're like, you had good feeling. Anyway, they're going through literally all of his big hits from the decade of hits that he had. Uh, and the judge is like, no, I'll allow it. <laughs> I did get some notes from lawyers who were like, you know, it gets it gets boring in court. So I, I'm not surprised the judge allowed this to go down. Uh, let's play a clip for everybody of uh, of what it sounded like inside the courtroom. Um, after 2014, you also had the song known as My House, right? Yes, the record. Tell me about My House. Oh, yeah. My House was a record um, that I recorded. And that record right there was a global phenomenon. It was used in Super Bowl uh, commercials. As well as that's one of the um, songs that I actually promoted the product that I love, which is Celsius, and the product coming in the video, and um, that record right there made history as well. Let's uh, let's play a quick clip of that. I think we got like an eight second, ten second clip. my house yeah i'm comfortable i'll sing i could perform better than i can talk <laughs> jill upon learning and speaking to the press yesterday that he won the lawsuit he was holding celsius like he actually genuinely loved celsius energy drink but felt that they didn't pay him what they owed and so he was drinking celsius as he was like doing a celebratory press conference Though, Jill, I forgot about this. Florida had so many hits, these iconic hits from like 2005 to 2015. You almost don't have a year where Florida doesn't have a number one hit. Most, they're all good mood songs. They just make you happy when, when you listen to them. Right Round, of course, always makes me think of The Hangover. It's just yeah. kind of synonymous with that. My House, which they played in court. Uh, Wild Ones, you put a list together, right? <laughs> yes, and people because you cover only the important stuff on your Instagram account. Well, you know, listen, I I went on a whole tangent yesterday about Florida, and then people are like, "Oh my god, I I now need to sign up for a Florida Peloton class because like this it, or add something to my playlist." One woman sent me a note saying that she was playing Florida songs for her six month old twins who were rocking out to him. So I was like, way to get the next generation started. But, and then I was hearing from people that apparently Florida now does the kind of office uh, retreat circuit. So people bring him in, uh, including our friend Mike Zussel, uh, to uh, <laughs> of course, perform of at course. their like company retreats. And people are like, wow, I forgot how many of his hits I remember and really enjoyed. So Zussel's been to not only 100 somewhat countries, but Flo Rida had played for him at work. Good life he's got. Our good friend Mike Zussel is basically Forrest Gump. All right, as we wrap up here, it is time for On This Day in History, brought to us, as always, by our partner, Magic Spoon Cereal. They are offering a variety pack special to Mo News listeners that includes peanut butter, 
frosty cocoa and their fruity flavors, jam-packed with nostalgia and nutrients, but gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and sugar-free. You can head over to magicspoon.com slash monews to grab a variety pack. Try it today. The promo code again is monews at checkout to save $5 off your order. We begin here with a couple notable birthdays, Jill. Comedian Bill Maher is 67 today. And Buzz Aldrin, the second person ever to walk on the moon, turns 93. January 20th, of course, is the day uh, the U.S. has inaugurated presidents going back nearly a century. So we originally inaugurated presidents in March. That got moved up in the 30s with a constitutional amendment to January 20th. So January 20th, known for inaugurations. That included Ronald Reagan's first inauguration. And what was notable about that on January 20th, 1981, 42 years ago today, is that that was the day the Iranian government released all of the 52 American hostages who had been held there going back more than a year. They wouldn't come to an agreement with Jimmy Carter and made a point of releasing all the hostages just about 20 minutes after Reagan got inaugurated. And a couple pop culture items on this day, 52 years ago, Marvin Gaye released his classic, What's Going On? And our daily dose for the uh, millennial crowd, including you, Jill, Dawson's Creek turns 25 years old today, released premiering on the WB for the first time January 20th, 1998. Jill, a Paula Cole classic. She's one of those uh, late 90s singers that had like one or two hits, but uh, became iconic, of course, with, um, with was it, uh, who did we have? Vanderbeek, uh, Joshua Jackson. Joshua Jackson had a great post-career uh, on The Affair. Katie Holmes, at some point Katie Cruz, but then Katie Holmes. And then, who am I forgetting? Who's the- um, I think Michelle Williams, right? Yes, yes, Michelle Williams. It were really, you know, like they all started as as basically kids there and they all had um, pretty successful careers, I could say. All right, that's it for On This Day. Stay tuned on Monday for, I guess it'll be January 23rd. We'll uh, start the deep dive this weekend into what happened that day. Again, a thank you to Magic Spoon Cereal for sponsoring On This Day. You can go get a variety pack today over at magicspoon.com slash monews. They're running a special deal. $5 off your order. Again, magicspoon.com slash monews. And Mosh, it is Friday, so it is time for what we are watching, reading, and eating. What are you going to be watching this weekend? Jill, I'm looking forward to the drop of Fauda season four. That is the uh, Israeli thriller, which is sort of like 24 meets the military. Uh, came out of Israeli television, then brought to Netflix, has gone big globally. It's actually watched in a lot of the um, Arab world as well, which is really notable. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to binging that. Yourself? Okay, so if you can believe it, well, I know you're going to be able to believe this because you know me. I still have not seen Top Gun Maverick. So my oh. husband and I are going to do a little bit of a date night and we are going to watch it because it's now on Paramount+. Plus. There have been years where I tried to make a point, Jill, as we get into you know award season here ahead of the Oscars to try to watch all the major films nominated for Oscars. I don't know how many of those films I'll be able to get around to, but uh, it is great to have a lot of them already streaming and able to watch from the comfort of your home. All right, Jill, next up, what are you reading? Okay, I'm going to be reading a guest essay in the New York Times. It is called, What if diversity trainings are doing more harm than good? Most, according to this essay, there's little evidence that many of these initiatives actually work. And the specific type of diversity training that is currently in vogue, mandatory trainings, according to this article, that blame dominant groups for DEI problems may well have a net negative effect on the outcomes that managers claim to care about. Definitely uh, controversial, but I'm looking forward to reading it. Mosh, what are you reading? Jill, I'm watching coverage in the New York Times uh, from the latest meeting of the American Meteorological Society. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Last week it was Atlantic. This week the New York Times. Uh, but they're. Uh, the, but they have an interesting story out of the annual meeting from the American Meteorological Society about whether the use of all these new meteorological terms like bomb, cyclone, atmospheric, river um, are doing more harm than good because they're trying to use new vocabulary, naming storms, et cetera, to make people aware of storms, increase awareness when otherwise people might not pay attention. At the same time, have the names sort of gotten ridiculous? Are people starting to lose their attention? So anyway, I'm, I'm reading that story. And Jill, finally, what we're eating this weekend, what do you got? I'm going to be eating Bonza pizza. The crust is made from chickpeas. I've had it before. It is delish and uh, guilt-free, I might add. I'll have to give it a try. I'll have to give it a try. We just noticed Suma oranges have come into season, so we've been starting to snack on those, Jill. Almost. That's a good one. I'm going to definitely check them out. Okay, that is it, though, for today. We want to thank you so much for listening to the Emo News Daily Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. And don't forget to follow us where it all started over on Instagram on the Mo News Instagram account at Mosh at M-O-S-H-E-H. We will see everyone back here on Monday. Bye. 